What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Sean Murray on the call today. By the way, I love that name. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you don't hear that often as a girl name, and I love it. Sean. It, it was like, very eventful growing up, but people used to be like, <laughs> did your parents want a boy? Um, but I've kind of grown into it. So <laughs> thank you. I love it. I think it's so cool. Um, but with that being said, this is just you sharing your story. So I'm just going to throw it at you and let you start wherever you'd like. Okay, thanks. Um, okay, so I'll I kind of start with a little bit of background. Um, so my husband, Tom, and I were married in September of 2011, and we were 25 at the time, so we were super young. Um, we knew we always wanted kids, but and we when we knew we wanted three kids, but we also knew we wanted a couple of years just being married and kind of having fun, so we didn't have, like, strict timelines. Um, and eventually, in 2013, we actually stopped trying to not get pregnant. Like, we were like, we're not trying, but let's just, like, not try to prevent it anymore. Um, and so we probably did that and it was probably like six to eight months. Um, but then we found out we were pregnant with our first, um, it was a relatively easy pregnancy. I was considered high risk, um, because I have an autoimmune disease called ulcerative colitis. Um, but it was just like basically more doctor's appointments and they were just kind of monitoring me because I was on all kinds of medication just to make sure the baby was growing. Um, but we never really even, even my first pregnancy, I just was so, I wasn't, I didn't know much about pregnancy loss. So it wasn't something I ever really worried about. Um, you know, and I was kind of blessed, like blessed in that, and that I knew I was being monitored, but I felt super supported. So, uh, in September of 2014, we welcomed our first, um, child Quinn, um, our daughter. So even though I talked about my name at the beginning, but we still went with kind of a gender neutral name too, for our daughter. Um, so she's four and a half now and. um, just totally the light of our lives. And she was um, a pretty easy baby. Um, so after she turned one, we were like, all right, let's stop trying not to again. Again, it happened pretty uh, easy for us second time around. Our son, actually, we conceived him a little bit even faster. Um, and he was born in August of 2016. So again, pretty easy pregnancy. I was closely monitored and considered high risk. But again, it still wasn't super stressful. Um, he was a little bit of a tougher baby. So even though we talked about three kids, we were like, uh, let's hold off for a while. He was a little colicky, cried a ton. Um, but, and we just totally had our hands full with two toddlers, 23 months apart. It basically was like having two babies. Um, and even after, after we had Owen, we had so many people that would say to us, oh, you have one of each. So you guys are probably done now. Right. Um, (laughs) it was like, oh, maybe we should be done. Maybe our family is complete. Um, (laughs) But then after 2017, our kids were a little older. They were able to play together. Um, we had a t- Our kids were four and two at this point. So we had a lot of friends ex- expanding their families, whether it was their second or third. And kind of the baby bug bit us again. We were like, you know what? Maybe like we've always talked about three. It is going to be absolutely crazy. But that's just kind of what feels right for us. Because um, we love spending time with our kids and our family. And we're like, this is just what feels right. And it sounds silly now, but... Our kids were born in August and September, so we were like, let's start trying this fall and winter so we can have a summer or fall baby again. Like, let's control that. We, It was really great to be off on maternity leave during that time. Um, 
but this time we wanted to time everything because we were like, Owen will be three that next August and Quinn will be five. Um, so that's a nice space apart. So we decided to try in October and literally, and we got pregnant literally the first time we tried. And again, like I, I took a pregnancy test the day my period was due and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe like we're pregnant this fast. And I'd say we were even like probably a little arrogant about it. We were just like, this is so easy. Like, this is crazy. Um, but also very naive. So, um, this pregnancy was a little bit different from the start. I was super, super sick. Like basically as soon as I took that positive pregnancy test, um, I just got really nauseous. I felt really miserable. Um, I made my first appointment and because I'd carried my first two to term, they were like, we'll see you at 10 weeks. There's no rush. Um, and so we saw, you know, I even went to the first ultrasound by myself, um, because my daughter had had her tonsils out. So my husband stayed home with her and I went to myself and, um, I saw the baby, I saw the heartbeat. It was 167. Like, I think at that moment I was like, oh, I really, this is really happening again. <laughs> um, you know, and the only thing that didn't add up at that time is I was only measuring eight weeks and four days. And in retrospect, that was probably, that was red flag number one. Um, and I kind of pushed on that. I was like, no, we, we actually timed it this time. You know, I was, my first two, we were like, I think it was this day was my last period or when we conceived, but I probably could have given like a date and a time. I could give a date for sure. And probably a time if I really thought about it of like, no, like I, I'm 10 weeks, 40. Not we conceived on Tuesday yeah. at 2 yes. Yes. <laughs> And I just pushed on it and she, you know, both the tech and the doctor, it almost made me feel like, and it wasn't my regular OB, but they almost made me feel like, gosh, if you want this to be a problem, we can look at this, but everything looks great. Like, why are you worried about it? Um, and I was like, okay, you know, I, I, I guess like if everything looks fine, it's probably fine. Maybe I ovulated at a different time. Maybe I'm wrong, but, um, it was just the first time we had really timed everything. So I was like, I'm really sure I'm 10 weeks, four days, not eight weeks, four days. Um, and the other thing that was like a red flag and I still haven't really gotten a satisfactory explanation on this. Um, but the tech was like, Hey, there is this cyst over here. We should probably talk to the doctor about it. Um, so we brought it up to the doctor and she was like, no, that's totally normal. It's probably just where you ovulated from. Um, and she kind of blew it off and was like, it's not a problem at all. And so <clears throat> we decided, um, because, because I was a little bit worried about the dating, we decided to do, um, an additional ultrasound. And, um, we actually ended on doing the genetic testing at 13 weeks, the ultrasound, which I actually, I didn't do with my other two kids. She just said, you know, you're at a different age, but then when you first started having kids, it's probably a good idea. Um, so we did, uh, we got that set up and I kind of like went on with life, made the appointment, didn't think about that again. Um, my morning sickness was super rough this time around and I was in maternity clothes by 10 weeks. Um, so we had told our family that we were pregnant, um, like our parents, but not really any other extended family. Um, and then at 11 weeks, I started to tell some folks that I worked with. I was just super grumpy and tired and um, I was starting to show really fast. Um, and so, you know, again, in retrospect, it was a blessing that I told them when I did. So, um, at our 13 and a week appointment, which I was a little past 13 weeks at the time we picked a Friday, my husband and I took off work together. Cause he's like, I haven't seen the baby yet. Um, and we were going to go to lunch and go shopping and, and after our ultrasound and we get to this, um, the doctor's office and it was actually a different hospital than where we normally went for the OB. Um, cause it was, I don't know if, I don't remember if it, it was like the tech had to be certified to do this genetic testing or if it was the technology that had was different, but we had to go a little further from home. 
Um, so we drove to the hospital after dropping our kids off for the appointment. Um, we, it was a super confusing hospital. We actually got super lost and I remember being so flustered and frustrated, like we're late for this appointment. This is so embarrassing. Um, and then I ended up like looking at those same elevator doors for the next six months, um, which I'll get to, but, um, which is super ironic and I'd never want to go back to that place again. <laughs> uh, um, so we finally found the right elevator bank and went up and, um, they got us in right away since we were like 10 minutes late, which I hate being late. Um, and the tech was chatty with us, kind of walking us back. And, you know, I think the story is like so many other people's, like she put the, as soon as she put the wand on my stomach, she just stopped talking. And I have had a lot of ultrasounds with my two pregnancies and how they monitored me. And I knew I, I like in my heart, I knew right away. Like I just saw, I saw the baby, he, he or she, I, I don't know what we had, but they were like off to the left in the bottom of, of the screen a little bit. And I didn't see the flicker. And I was like, oh, gosh, it looks really small. And that I kept looking at the ultrasound tech and my husband and he was holding my hand and I kept looking at the screen and I couldn't talk, but I, and I felt like I was there for like 20 minutes, like just total silence. And I think I was holding my breath. Like, I just remember feeling so like, what is happening right now? But I knew, but I knew what was happening and I just kept looking around and, um, you know, she kind of, she's, she asked me to hold my breath and that was the first time she spoke. So I like jumped. Um, and she's like, hold your breath for me for a minute. And then I saw, she drew the line and she kind of put everything down and looked at me and she said, I'm sorry, there's a baby in there, but there's no heartbeat. Um, and I'm pretty sure I screamed. And I remember her saying like, you know, we're going to not make you, we don't want you to go have to go back out to the waiting room. We're going to get you an office. I'll be right back. And, um, everything from there was kind of a whirlwind. Um, and I was just, I was so surprised. Like I just, I was surprised. And then I also was like, gosh, there's just something this whole, this whole pregnancy, I was nervous to tell people, um, I don't know. It just, in my heart, I felt different the whole time. And I was like, what, like, you know, kind of, why is this happening? And, um, <clears throat> we intuition, it's weird. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, it really is. Like, I just, I feel like I had this weird innate knowledge that like, I, there, I wasn't able to ever visualize this baby. And I don't know if that sounds silly, but like, I remember with my kids, I was like, Oh, I wonder if it's a boy, it'll, what it'll look like this way or, you know, and I was able to kind of visualize those other pregnancies and, um, I just kept trying to picture us with this like third baby and I, and I couldn't, um, and I could never put my finger on like why. Um, so part of me, even in that moment when she said that, I was like, I, I knew, I knew it was different, but I didn't have cramping and, um, I didn't have bleeding. And even when we went back and talked to the doctor, um, who was amazing by the way, cause I've, I've heard, you know, even from your podcast and others forums that I'm on, like people have had such nightmare experiences with doctors and, you know, she was one, she was like, again, this wasn't my regular OB. I was seeing someone different this day. And she was just like, you have to know this wasn't your fault. Don't like, you're going to do this. I can't stop you from doing this, but there was absolutely nothing you did that could cause this. Um, and she, and then she was like, when people miscarry and I was like, it sounds silly, but that was the first, I was like, oh, this is a miscarriage. Like, I didn't understand that even after hearing that the baby's heart had stopped, I was like, this is a miscarriage. I'm having a miscarriage. Like, and so she explained it was called a missed miscarriage. Cause I always thought of like, you have bleeding and cramping mm -hmm. and you run to the bathroom and that's what a miscarriage is. And I was like, I had no, like I, and they kept asking if I'd had any cramping or if I lost any blood. And I was like, no, I, 
the only thing I could put my finger on, and I thought it was because I was ending the first trimester, is I was like, you know, on Monday, I started feeling really good. Like all of a sudden, I had all these terrible pregnancy um, symptoms, and I woke up, and I was like, I feel like a human today. Like, um, And I was like, I just thought it was because I was going into my second trimester. And she's like, you know, I think that's probably when the baby um, had passed. So they gave me all my options about taking medication, um, if I wanted to let it go naturally, or if I wanted to do a DNC. And she did a really good job explaining, like, here's what this experience could feel, look and feel like, um, but was really neutral. Like, you kind of are going to know in your heart whether what you want to do right away. And I was like, so we opted for the DNC, um, and they actually were able to get me in the next day. Um, and again, like, for a really bad situation it was probably the best care and treatment I could have experienced like they got me in super early and um, ironically it was my regular OB who was working that day that that helped with my son's pregnancy Um, and she is the most amazing doctor ever Um, and they kept me away from all the other pregnant like I was totally by myself Um, even they put me even in an area of the emergency room that like nobody else was in so they just took me back to surgery and Um, they were so kind and they kept hugging me and they encouraged me to cry. And, um, you know, they were talking to Tom and I about like, just how to make sure we were healing emotionally and physically. Like I just felt like so protected by the group of people that worked that day and it was amazing. And, um, you know, she, my doctor just really explained like, um, a couple things that kind of helped me, helped me feel better and understand, I guess. Um, you know, they explained the one in four. And she, and some people have been taken back when I share this, but she was just kind of like, this is your third pregnancy. And she's like, with lack of a better way to say, it's almost like your turn. Like, unfortunately, this is part of the baby making process um, is that you lose a baby at some point and you are really lucky that you've had two. And so, you know, this is kind of, this is kind of your turn. And then next time, you know, hopefully it won't happen again and we can kind of work through that and, um, she, you know, she just encouraged, like, if you guys decide to try again, we're going to be with you every step of the way. We'll get you in super early and try to ease your anxieties as much as possible. I agree um, that that's a really great way to explain it. Like, my RE explained it very similar, even though, like, I had four in a row. Yeah, right. Bef- before having a healthy pregnancy, the way she explained it, she was like, let's say you have 10 pregnancies. Yeah. She's like, some women have their healthy pregnancies. Yeah. first and they're lucky and they have yeah. three children you know and yeah. then they stopped and then yeah. some women will have their unlucky pregnancies first and right. the way she explained it like for some reason that was very like it just helped me understand so I think it, that's really yeah. cool that you kind of got that same explanation because I've never really heard that from anybody else before yeah it just helped it was like okay so mathematically like you know like this is just kind of what was up um, yeah and I just yeah, that just helped. Like it, it just, it just really helped us. And, and so, um, you know, she asked us like, it just, it is truly amazing. Like how, and she explained how perfectly everything has to go to actually get a baby out of a pregnancy. And the fact that we were able to do that two times was, it's like, God, like, how did we get so lucky? You know, it's just, everything has to go so perfectly in this process. And I've never um, believed in luck until yeah. until pregnancy. I've always been like, luck isn't a thing. It's hard work. Or you know what I mean? Yes, like, right. No, when it comes to pregnancy, it truly is luck. <laughs> oh, totally. I know. It really is. So, um, yeah, I feel like if nothing else, the silver lining, I just, yeah, I have a different appreciation for what our bodies can do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so we went through the DNC and we opted actually not to do any genetic testing. She's like, this is your first miscarriage. It's super expensive. Insurance won't cover it. Like I don't, I don't think you're in a position where you have to do it. It just probably is your body sorting out something that wasn't right. Your body probably just detected something not right. Um, so we agreed. And then this other thing she said, and I still, the next time I see her, I need to talk to her about this because I haven't gone back to my normal OB for quite a while. Um, and she's like, I'm going to test for a molar pregnancy. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that is. I've never heard of that. That's fine. You, you, you do what you need to do. Um, and I have no idea if they always do that or if she at that point had detected, like just suspe- suspected that something. Yeah. yeah. So I want to, I need to investigate that. Um, so I didn't really hear anything again. Um, I had a two week follow up, which was actually again with she wasn't available that day when I had to see someone. So I saw actually the same OB that had confirmed my miscarriage. Um, And so I went in to see her and she at that point, you know, they did the test and the cervical check and just making sure that everything was um, going well for my DNC. And we did some blood work. And she explained to me at that point that I had something called a partial molar pregnancy. Um. And that the baby had something called triploidy. So a partial molar pregnancy, and there's a partial molar pregnancy, and there's complete molar pregnancy. And I had never heard of this ever. Like, I was like, how have I had two children in the last, like, five years? And I've never, ever heard of this. Um, And so a complete molar pregnancy is when a sperm fertilizes an empty egg. And it can turn into grape-like cysts. Um, And that complete molar pregnancy is more likely to turn into a problem um, or a disease called gestational trophoblastic disease. And then what I had was a partial molar pregnancy where, um, two sperm actually fertilize one egg and they don't know why it happens. They call it bad luck. Um, it's just something in that perfect, like where that fertilization process needs to be perfect. Um, it's like an imperfection. And so how I could tell you that we probably made this baby on October 26th. I'm like, gosh, if we would have done this in November, would this not have happened? It's like just that time that it decided to happen. Um, And so there's like just not a lot of information on why these are caused. But um, it's actually one in 1,000 women will have a molar pregnancy. So it's it's 1%, but it's not. So it's not super uncommon, but I just never heard of it. Um, so the partial molar pregnancy, a baby does actually start to form, where a complete one, um, it's just the grape-like cyst, a baby doesn't form. And so the baby then always has something in a partial molar pregnancy called triploidy, where they actually have 69 chromosomes, since they have two sets of chromosomes from the father. Um, and the baby would have never been compatible with life. So um, some women actually can carry uh, much further than we did and still lose the baby. So in a way, it's like, but the most common time to miscarry, and it mostly shows up as a mis- missed, mismar- missed miscarriage, is around that 13-week mark when we miscarried. Um, and so when the doctor explained this, and then she also explained, like, it is so rare that this becomes a problem. Like, our plan is that we're just going to really monitor you once a week to make sure your HCG levels go down. Because really, part of the side effect of this is, like, your HCG is so elevated um, that it just takes longer for it to drop. And that's actually even why I had such bad morning sickness and and because um, I was so much more elevated than a normal pregnancy. Um, so she's like, you know, I don't think it's going to be a problem. And in a way, my husband and I are like, oh, this is helpful. Like this actually explains to us why this happened. Um, and so we were like this, you know, here's an answer for us. Like most people don't get an answer why they have a miscarriage. Now we have an answer. 
Um, and she's like, we're just going to monitor you. You just can't try again for six months. So she's like, it's a little bit longer than other situations. So I started to go um, every week for a couple weeks where they were testing my HCG and I was dropping nicely. It was actually getting cut in half. Um, so they're like, you know, it's dropping beautifully. Like we think you're on a really good track. There's no concerns. And then I got a call probably about four weeks after getting my HCG tested for four weeks that I actually doubled. And um, she's like, we, you know, I, we don't know if it's a problem. We need you to come in um, for an ultrasound and getting. <laughs> so I had to go in at seven o'clock the next morning to get a vaginal ultrasound. And my husband had to take the kids to school. So I was by myself and getting a vaginal ultrasound weeks after losing your baby. When the last time you were sitting there and you got to see the heartbeat, I was just like, this is, it was probably one of the most traumatic parts of the whole experience. Um, and that, that was awful. Like I just kept crying and the tech felt awful. But um, so anyways, they were looking for regrowth um, or retained tissue. And she's like, all right, I know the doctor's going to want to call you. There's actually, I can tell that there's been regrowth. So the, they moved super fast. That was a Wednesday. By the next day, I was getting a chest and a pelvic CT scan um, where they were actually looking for tumors um, because I was officially diagnosed with uh, gestational trophoblastic disease. Um, it's also called gestational trophoblastic tumor or gestational, gestational trophoblastic um, neoplasia. So doctors just choose different words. <laughs> um, and so I was like, I don't, it was such a whirlwind. I was like, I don't understand what's happening. They told me that there wasn't a chance of this happening. Um, my doctor even said in my 24 years of doing this, I've never seen this become a problem. And here I was like the 1% of the 1%. I'm like, this is the, not the 1% you want to be part of. <laughs> um, so I'm getting this I got a CT scan where they were looking for these tumors or nodules because it can actually spread. It's in your uterus. Um, it can go to your lungs. It can actually go to your brain. Um, and so I was super fortunate that mine was just in my uterus. Um, and they call, it a, they call it a tumor or an invasive mole. And so it actually embeds itself into your uterine wall. So they can't do another DNC. Um, and I'm on all these support forums about this. And there's, it's so amazing, like how many doctors treat this really differently, which is overwhelming and frustrating. So you're bringing your doctors these like, um, different all your notes. Yes. <laughs> you're like, what about this? What about this? And so my doctor was like, absolutely. I'm not doing a second DNC. Um, there's a huge risk for you bleeding out. There's a huge risk for us having to do a full hysterectomy and then you're still going to need chemotherapy. So, um, even, uh, so I, I got this, this was like Wednesday and Thursday. And by Tuesday, I was seeing an oncologist, so a gynecologist oncologist. And um, my husband and I went there and it was a three and a half hour appointment, mostly waiting. <laughs> um, and so we got a ton more tests done. And um, at this point, my doctor had actually, my regular OB was like, you're kind of out of my league now. So I'm referring you out. Um, but she did give me a dose. I went in and got an infusion um, of methotrexate the same day as my CT scan. Um, and she's like, I'm just going to try to like start knocking this out of your system. So um, that was on in, at the end of February um, and my miscarriage had been in mid-January. So this all happened relatively quickly. Um, but I was also like, gosh, this is like the never ending miscarriage. Um, so at the oncologist, she saw me. She's like, I think you have a super low risk version of the disease because it is just in your uterus. Um, she's like, but you do need methotrexate treatments because it has... Um, it, it did rise so much and we do see this evidence of this tumor. 
So she didn't like the once a week infusion. So she actually scheduled me for a shot of methotrexate every day, every other week. Oh, Um, goodness. So I, we, and she was like, and we're going to start Monday. And this was a Tuesday. And my husband and I, after we had the miscarriage, had scheduled our very first vacation away. Um, We're like, let's just go to San Diego. We've never been there. Let's go on a trip together. Um, And so we had to cancel our vacation, um, which I mean, was the right thing to do and fine. But we were like, gosh, we just can't like get a break. Um, So I started methotrexate on Monday. And she's like, I don't think it's going to take too long. I really think we're going to be able to knock your levels down super fast. And how I was how the success of the treatment was monitored by my HCG. And they couldn't tell me how long it was going to take. She just was like, I know you don't have, because it hasn't spread to your lungs or beyond your uterus. I feel really good that this is, you know, this is what we're going to need to do. Um, and my HCG just had to get below five was the goal. And then I would need three more weeks of treatment after that. So we knew it was a really long road ahead. Um, and so I started the treatments every day, the following Monday, they went up those same elevators that Tom and I had gotten last done before to go find out that the baby wasn't um, with us anymore. And then I had to go up those same stupid elevators to go get my to the oncologist to go get my treatments. And, um, you know, the first couple of weeks, I kind of did life as normal. And I just worked around the, the shots. And by the end of the weeks, I'd be pretty tired. I would work from home. Um, but it just then they, the, it started to really build up like I just felt, I started feeling like I had the flu all the time. Um, I was achy. I didn't lose my hair, which was wonderful, <laughs> but I did get really bad mouth and um, esophagus ulcers to the point that I couldn't even like swallow my own saliva. Like I'd be awake at night, like I can't swallow. And I'm just like, you know, it was just this constant reminder of what had happened. But then in a way we also had to put being sad about losing a baby on the burnt side burner. Cause we were just like, here, I have this weird disease now um, because we decided in October to try to ha- have a baby. Like, this is not what's supposed to happen. Um, so I, it just kept getting worse and worse and to the point that, like, I got, I would actually get strep throat every week, too, that I would have treatment. So I had a couple weeks where I had strep throat, these mouth and esophagus ulcers, um, and then thrush. So I was like on 40 different types of medication. Oh, I was girl. in so much pain. <laughs> Everything I ate had to be like liquid, but it still hurt. Um, it was just like it. And so I finally decided um, with a lot of support from people I work with, I took some time off of work because I was like, I just got to focus on getting healthy and focus on, um, you know, on this thing and like kind of give into it a little bit, which was really hard because I was like, how is this overtaking my life? Um, and this was in May at this point that I decided to take time off. And, um, you know, my kids were, I didn't get to take my daughter to a dance pictures and just like little things where I'm like, this is, we thought that the 2019 was going to go one way and it's gone just a super different, super different way. Um, and I had a few scares like my, so my HCG got monitored either biweekly or weekly, depending on what it was the time before. Um, and I actually did have one time where it rose and they were like, all right, let's see what happens next time. And then it dropped again. And then I had a couple weeks where it actually plateaued and stayed the same. And so we started to talk about even the next level chemo, um, which would have actually made me like all the side effects that I had amplified it. And then also made me lose my hair. And I was like, how is this like, Again, we thought we were going to have a baby. We lost the baby. Like, is that not bad enough <laughs> um, for it to become this crazy health issue? So um, we, I fortunately, like, 
I don't know, by some major miracle, the week I was supposed to, I was going to have to maybe transition to that more intense chemo. My HCG actually dropped from 23, which it was stuck at. So, so low and so close. Um, it do- dropped from there and I went to negative finally. And it was like the best phone call I've ever gotten. It was like sobbing when I found out I was negative finally. Um, and so once I found out I was negative, then I <clears throat> um, had to get three more weeks of the methotrexate. So it was still a long road ahead, but it was like an end in sight. Yeah. Um, and I still held my breath every single week that I got my methotrexate or my HCG tested. And so I just finished my methotrexate treatments, um, on June 14th, so on Friday, last Friday. And I was just like, I can't believe what a long journey it's been, um, that I started, you know, I, we had the miscarriage on January 19th, started methotrexate in February and nine weeks later or nine weeks of treatment, 18 weeks later, I'm finally done. Um, I've never heard a story like yours <laughs> ever. That's so crazy. And you said you're a part of like forums and stuff. Yes. So you, you know, like a couple, I mean, virtually, you know, yeah. like a couple other people who have yeah, been there's, through this. Yeah. And it seems, um, it, I do. And it's, it's crazy. Like how much in a way it's almost made it feel like it is way more common because I'm on these like support forums that are on like social on Facebook and social media, um, but I've never in like real life met anyone. Um, and even when I explain it to people, they're like, so is it cancer? And, um, the way my doctor explained it, she's like, it's recognized by the American cancer society. It behaves like cancer because it's multiplying cells. But once we get it, it's gone. Like you are good to go. Um, yeah. so it's not, so she explained it that it's not cancerous, but there's even, there's just not a lot of research. Um, even for doctors, like there's not a lot of doctors that know a lot about it um, or have had experiences of it. And, um, you know, I got lucky. And in Minnesota, we have a lot of really great doctors and in the metro. So I, um, I'm lucky that I was able to find someone. But some of the support forums I'm on, people have to drive hours and hours and hours to find people that are familiar with it. Um, and every doctor treats it really differently because they all – there's just not great guidelines. Um, yeah. So, and even now, so my, I will now once a month have to go get my HCG monitored for the next six months. So okay. it's still, so December 13th <laughs> is my last scheduled blood draw. And so just hopefully, obviously it stays below five. Um, and then she's like, and then if you guys decide to do this thing again, you could do it again. And I'm like, oh, that's such big implications. And like, like yeah, I don't know about that. Um <laughs> But it's just, like, it's taken so much to get back to normal. But even now, like, I'm, like, I don't know, 10 days out or eight days out from my last treatment. And I'm, like, I just finally feel like a human again. And it just – I think the silver lining of everything is, like, gosh, like, health, You until you lose it, you don't know how important it is. And um, it's been a crazy road, but it's been – I don't know. We've learned a lot. I think we've learned a lot about ourselves and each other and um, what to be grateful for. But um, yeah, it was, it's been a a super crazy journey. Even my daughter this week, she's like, are you done being sick? You just seem happier. (laughs) And it's just, our kids didn't know. Um, They just knew I wasn't feeling very well. And I was fine. I was like, yes, I'm done being sick. Like, um, you know, we can, the nice, I, the worst part was like when I couldn't, when I I had the mouth ulcers and I'm like, I can't read to her. Like, I hate not being able to put my kids to bed the right way. And, um, yeah, it just was, you know, it was really tough. And I just feel like we coming out of it, we're like, we just, 
we can get back to like normal life and appreciate things on a totally different level. Mm -hmm. Um, And things will honestly, like you said, you've learned so much too that life will probably even be better. Now, you know what I mean? Because you're going to appreciate the little things that maybe you you didn't. uh, That's something that I've like found through my miscarriage journey is I definitely appreciate things that I don't think I would have appreciated before going through this. So um, totally. If we're trying to find a silver lining. In yes. All of well, this craziness. Oh my gosh. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I just think even like, I feel so lucky when I look at my kids now, I'm like, gosh, like things went so well for you to be here, you know, like, and just yeah. how much I appreciate them differently. And, um, you know, I can't imagine having gone through this experience as my first pregnancy and how scary that would be. And, yeah. um, you know, cause you do have a slightly higher risk of it happening again, but not much more. Um, it just truly is this like kind of random act of, yeah, random, like a random thing that happened. So, yeah, well, you're going to have to share this episode in your (laughs) forum so that, you know, those girls can hear your story in full and not feel so alone. Um, if you had like one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Um, I think like what, I learned, um, and I don't know that like, we're, especially those of us, you know, everyone that's trying to become a mom or is a mom, like in any way, like we're kind of predisposed for taking care of others, but I've just really learned of like, this is the time when you lose a baby or have a health scare, like it's just time for you to take a pause and take care of you. And it's okay to be selfish and like advocate for yourself, whether it's with the doctors, like, don't worry about bothering them. I got to know the front desk people real well when I was waiting for my HCG numbers, um, but just like do what needs to be done for you. Let yourself be selfish, let yourself heal. Um, you know, and don't take on the burden of like lifting other people up or helping, you know, them during the time that you just really need to be lifted up yourself and just, I think, feel really comfortable taking care of you. Yeah. Giving absolutely. yourself permission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If somebody wants to reach out to you, is Instagram the best way? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, Instagram is the best way. I'm at smurray521, I think. Awesome. And I will go ahead and I'll link that in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your super unique story. Like that (laughs) was just very educational for me. Like seriously, I've never heard of that. So that was incredible. And you are a strong woman. Oh, thank you. I appreciate (laughs) it. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.